0: Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the bridge of He's Our God so we can work the transition between the two songs. And then we're going to go give the last song a go, okay? So...
1: well good morning Sheridan Hills I see more kinda making their way in we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ we have come to finally gather together again many of us have been waiting for this moment for um, the last few months and um, this is right it is right that God's people be joined together Uh, for those of you who are joining us online we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ we know that many of you are part of our church family. Some of you are brand new to us this morning and we want you to know that we see you as a part of this service. We may not see you in person right now, but we are thinking about you. We are aware of you. We're thinking about you in your living rooms um, and uh, some right here in South Florida. And uh, a lady emailed me last night everyone and she's all the way up in New York and uh, today she, Miss Judy Croft, is visiting, or she is uh, watching from New York. So we welcome her and we welcome all of the others that are joining us online. Today we've gathered to focus on our Lord Jesus Christ. There's never been a greater need uh, for us to do that than right now. And uh, now is always the time to focus on Him, to rejoice in Him, to remember Him. The Spirit of Messiah is our prayer. That we would be gathering in His name. Our opening passage of Scripture before we read, uh, excuse me, before we sing, um, is just one simple verse, First Timothy chapter one and verse 17. Listen to what we're about to sing. I'm going to ask if you would to stand if you're here in the oak grove with us, uh, this morning, um, take your outline there. We're about to sing. Uh, but notice these words, First Timothy 1:17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we do say glory to you. We do say honor to you. Lord, you are the cherished one. Father, we thank you that you are the precious one who would come and lay down your life for your own so that we could be your own. Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray that this morning that as we gather from right here in this oak grove to communities all across South Florida, to even other places in the United States and even the world. Lord, we want to gather in the strong name of Christ. Lord, as we sing of the hope of Christ, as we sing of the joy of Christ, rejoicing in Christ. I pray that as we sing that you would minister to our hearts, that we would remember the gospel, and that, Lord, that we would come in line with you this morning. In the wonderful and strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, if you're at home, you got to sit up on the edge of your couch because all these folks are standing and ready to sing. So you do the best you can come and sing with us this morning. Lift up your voice this morning. Amen. That's what we do this morning, is to come to rejoice in the truth uh, that God has given us in Jesus Christ. You may be seated. We are so glad that you've welcomed us. The crowd continues to kind of come in slowly and trickle in. We welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have a program, you'll need one this morning. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to have a passage of Scripture read. And I want you to notice that it is there in the program, Get kind of back toward the back. Go ahead and turn to Colossians 3 verse 1-17. through 17. If you're at home, take your Bible and uh, just look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-17 through 17 with us. In just a moment, we'll be reading that. We welcome you in the name of Christ. If you're new to us today, I have a couple of friends that are here for the first time, and uh, I welcome them. Uh, Hector, so glad that you're here, and others. Um, we are excited that um, we can come together and uh, worship together. This wind is wonderful, isn't it? Um, are you enjoying the breeze? I mean, you know, we weren't sure what meeting outside was going to be like. Now, the Lord may um, baptize us Presbyterian style a little bit. If so, you know, you uh, that are not faint of heart, hang in there. We'll see. Um, but we are so, so thankful. Um, yeah, it's not baptism. It's, it's really getting wet. Okay, but we won't go into that this morning. Um, we are so excited to just be able to finally be together again. These have been interesting and difficult days, starting back in March, Um, and we grieve those whom we've lost. There are loved ones um, in our church that uh, have loved ones that have been very sick. Very few members of our church have gotten sick at all, Um, but we do have um, uh, people in our church that have lost family members and friends as as a result of covid and um, indeed that has been a difficult thing. But we rejoice that we have also benefited in some ways that where this was meant for evil um, in the brokenness of our world, we can recognize that God has done some good things. There has been a humbling in many ways. And in fact, before the most recent crisis um, of our our great societal unrest, there was an awareness Um, that we do not have everything under control, and that we are needing to look to God. Many begin to look to God through this. The church not only looked to God more, but the church has reached out to one another more, and that has been a glorious thing. Our community groups and our growth groups and our friendships in the life of the church have meant much, many have served others, many have became shoppers for members in the life of the church um, or caretakers in one way or another. And all of those things are good things as we look to the Lord. Indeed, I want to recognize in this morning, um, just kind of share with you that our hearts are burdened about what is happening in our society. I don't know of anyone that has not been greatly troubled Um, not only by uh, the death um, of a man who did not deserve to die the way that he did, um, but we also see these fractures in our society. And I was encouraged by the lieutenant governor of Texas in what he said Friday. In full fair for all to see, um, he said these words the real way to address racism is for Americans to accept Jesus Christ. That's a bold statement, and it's a glorious statement. Listen to what he said. We need culture change, but culture change requires character change, and character change requires a change of the heart, which is what happens when someone turns to God. So when we come to God, God takes the things that were old and all of the old mentalities and the old um, vices of the heart and he turns them to his glory and he changes our heart. Um, before uh, any of these events occurred whatsoever, um, Charles uh, Patrick Lacuti, one of the deacons in our church, um, was scheduled to pray for us. And um, I am so blessed by this brother. Uh, Patrick, come. And um, I've asked him um, to read Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17. In fact, as he and I have been on the phone uh, this week, and uh, he was on the phone with Pastor Lucas last week, he shared with me. He said, this passage is what we need. Um, So this is this is at Patrick's um, bidding. He said, Colossians chapter three is, is so very countercultural to the mentality of our world. And yet it is the mindset of Christ. It is the mindset of God. And it's where we see it from relationships to the need of the transformation of the heart um, and the grand picture of that. Patrick, for those of you who do not know Patrick, Patrick is a principal in the um, Miami-Dade school system and uh, principal of a large high school. He has thousands of kids and students um, and teachers on campus every week. And he leads in that place of public education. And we are so grateful for his influence there. Patrick is going to come and lead us in prayer. um, But before he does that, he's going to read Colossians chapter three. So you should have that in your outline or you should have your Bible open. Patrick, come read and pray for
2: us. Colossians 3 verse 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed and knowledge of the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek, O oh Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience bangle one, with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive and above all these put on love which is binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you will call in one body and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Let us pray. Father, you are our refuge and our fortress. You are our God and our deliverer. You are the God who forgives and the God who heals. Our hope is in you and none other. Who do we go to when we are heavy-hearted? We go to you, the Almighty who hears the cries of his faithful. We go to you in prayer, seeking your face and favor for your people. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, a heart that understands the brevity of life on earth, but the eternal life is found in you. Sin may be all around us, but anger shall not dominate us because we belong to you. We are citizens of heaven. Our ethnicity or race does not define us. We are identified by our faith in Christ alone. Glory be to God, for he has broken down the wall of separation. He has taken those who were once far off or alienated, brought them near by the blood of Christ. As this world grasps for answers, we know that true inner peace comes from you. We pray that our church may be a beacon for those who are seeking you. Lord, help us to be ambassadors of the faith and to be peacemakers. We pray, we pray for boldness for Pastor Coleman, Pastor Hill, and Pastor Almeida. Boldness to stand in your word. Boldness to counteract this culture. Boldness to, stand, to send members to the farthest corners of the world to share the gospel. Lord, we pray for our nation's leaders. Lord, raise us up, leaders who will not compromise the faith, who will stand for truth and righteousness. Lord, we pray for those who are battling different illnesses and depression. Give them strength to endure and hope for each day. Lord, we pray for the children's ministry under the leadership of Laura, that they may grow in godliness and learn to worship you in truth. Father, we pray for our children and the students. Help them to obey authority and to be diligent in their studies. Lord, we pray for Sheridan Christian School, along with Mr. Spee and his administration. We pray, Lord, that the school may minister to students' families in order to win them for Christ. Lastly, Father, we pray for the elderly, that they may have an increasing joy to be with you and living their faith as a model for others to follow. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Christ, and Lord.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, indeed, this morning we are grateful that we can go to God in prayer and that we can look to him for the hope that we need in Him. Now we find that no greater place than in the Word of God. By this we know the Word of God, and we know the truth of God, so I want to encourage you to take your Bible and turn with me to Philippians chapter four as we continue our study in this great encouraging book of the Bible. You know, as we find ourselves in troubling days, as we find ourselves in various struggles and issues, we recognize that the world is hurting around us, and indeed, even in many many ways, our own hearts are hurting. Um, There are some who um, are dealing with long-term illnesses like cancer and um, various other debilitating diseases. Um, There are some who are dealing with long-term relationship problems, difficulties either at work or at home or with extended family or events of the past. You know, whatever our circumstance, God has a great plan for us to see him at work and see him faithful even in the midst of our troubles. So this morning we come to the message, and it comes from Philippians chapter 4. We'll review just verses 1, 2, and 3 just a little bit, and then we'll jump right on. Notice the title of the message today. Look what it says there at the top of your page reason to rejoice. Reason to rejoice. And what is the reason to rejoice? It's not in our circumstances, but it is in our sovereign Lord. Now that word sovereign to some of you is a rather new word. Um, It seems like that maybe this morning. What does sovereign mean? One of the times when you might hear uh, the word sovereign, you might hear the word sovereign in a legal context. Um, If you um, hear a pastor Declare someone as husband and wife. One of the ways in which many people will declare that is by the sovereign state of Florida that's the state of Florida that stands within its legal entity. That I have been given by the sovereign state of Florida the authority to pronounce you husband and wife. That is one way in which you might hear it. You might hear that in other legal terms, but sovereign simply means with the authority, the ultimate freestanding authority. Um, And that's what our Lord is. He is the freestanding authority of power, might, and righteousness and goodness. And so this morning we are going to see how we can rejoice because God is Lord over all. He is Lord over all. Notice with me, let's just remember in review just a little bit, go on your outline and notice Remember the common threats to every church, and we see these common threats to every church mentioned throughout the book of Philippians. The first one is the threat of instability, and we saw that last week in verse 1, right up there in the box on the top of the page. He says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, underline those words, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Over the last few weeks, we've gone through several places in the Bible where it talks about standing firm in the truth, not leaving God. Um, Very, very important. And in the life of a church, that is very important that we would stand firm in the truth, in the Lord. Notice the second one there, the threat of persecution. This was written to a church that was being persecuted for their faith in God. And so we see that in... Chapter 1, verses 28 through 30, and we see that in many other places in the New Testament, that that is a threat against the church. Now, how a church handles persecution can either make it stronger or, in some cases, can destroy it. Um, We're called, and Philippians helps us know how to deal with persecution, we are called to meet persecution with faith in God. Number three, what about this great danger to local churches? Uh, the threat to every church. It's false teachers. Again, we see this repeating theme throughout the Bible that there are false teachers who come along and distort the truths of God. The closer that they are to Scripture and yet away from the true gospel, the more dangerous they become. Some people say, well, what are you talking about? He quotes Scripture all the time. Well, just because you quote Scripture doesn't mean that you are teaching truth. Um, We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that some of the most dangerous are those who take Scripture, twist it, and distort it. And we see that throughout Paul's letters and even the warnings of our Lord Jesus. Number four is the main one that we studied last week. It is the threat of disunity. So you can have all the right beliefs, but if you don't practice them in the way that you relate to one another, you can destroy the church. And so we saw that in verses 2 and 3. Notice there in the box at the top of your page where it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. You remember this from last week? I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Twice he says it, very dramatically. He's saying, I am begging Yodia, I am begging Syntyche to agree in the Lord. He's aware that the church of Philippi could split because these two women were at odds with one another. They were apparently influential and they were apparently not meeting each other um, where they needed to meet them. He says, meet or agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also true, look what he says in verse 3, yes, I ask you also true companion, so he's, he's speaking of a friend, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So these are Christians who are struggling and they're at odds with one another. That is a great threat. Sheridan Hills needs to recognize and praise God that we are a unified church, but we must always guard the unity of the church. We must always bring our hearts to agree in the Lord together first. It doesn't mean that we don't have differences of opinions. It doesn't mean that we sometimes will not offend one another. We just must be careful to protect the unity of the church by honoring one another and honoring the Lord together. Now, these are all talking about spiritual stability. And as part of what we looked at last week, notice this with me, the verses that we've just read, one, two, and three. um, Look at number one. One of the things, I'm just circling back for a second. I want you to notice this. We are to cultivate, fill this in, we are to cultivate harmony with others. If you want to be spiritually stable, you need to be a person who cultivates harmony with others in your life and in your church, both of them. You know, that word cultivate is important. Um, Is that a military term? No. Is that a sports term? No. Cultivate, what kind of term is that? What what is cultivation talking about? Agriculture. Agriculture. Thank you, Mrs. Chipman, school teacher. Exactly right. Um, it It is agriculture. It's growing thing. How many of you have ever grown something before? You you've you've grown how many enjoy growing? Brian says I build things with bricks, I don't grow things. I see him his hand didn't go up back there. He's a Mason. He said, Leave that to the other people. Okay. I love to grow things. Unfortunately I live here where the nematodes eat things up and the other stuff eat things up, so I don't get the chance to do that very much in my neighborhood, but um, my grandparents grew a lot of things. They had gardens. And I, I learned a lot about life, and I learned a lot about Scripture because Scripture refers to cultivating things a lot. Jesus talked about agri- agri- agrarian issues a lot. This is something that has to be nurtured. It has to be planted. It has to be tended. It has to be cared for. The, the things that are a threat to the life of what you're seeking to grow have to be dealt with. Otherwise, either the insects come and eat it or the drought comes and ruin it or the fungus will come and ruin it or other things will shade it out. You have to put things um, that need to be cultivated in the right environment and protect them so that they can grow. That is how harmony works. Harmony must be protected. It has to be actively worked at. You, you, have to, you have to work on the environment of the soil. You have to work on the nutrients for it. You, you have to cultivate a mindset in yourself, and you have to cultivate a mindset in a church family that protects the unity of the church. Now, some of you would say, what's the big deal, Pastor? I don't really understand. I mean, you know, things are fine right here at Sheridan Hills and everything. Yeah, but maybe you haven't been in other churches where there's a lot of unity problems. It's an agonizing thing. It's a dramatic and and drama-laden thing. And um, I I just, I am so grateful that I grew up in a church that really we were quite unified, that we were quite loving um, as we are now. And I rejoice in that, but it has to be cultivated. Look at this, just fill these in. It is hard work. It is not easy work. Farmers work some of the hardest jobs that are in the nation or in the world. Uh, farming is hard work. Not only that, it's teamwork. The cultivation of harmony with others is teamwork. And we see that in these verses. He's calling on others to come and help. So when there's a threat to unity, there has to be others who come in. It's a, it's a team effort to protect that. And number three, notice that it is spiritual work. You see, this is a godly thing for us to do. These people are to agree in the Lord. That's that's coming with our hearts before God. And these are people who are in the name. Their names are in the book of life. So the whole picture of this is in the work of the gospel. It is a spiritual work that we do when we love one another. This is honoring to God. So. If you want spiritual stability in your life, you need to work at harmony. If we want spiritual stability in the life of this church, we have to work at harmony all the time. There's a second thing that we need to do. Number two, and we see this in chapter 4 and verse 4, which we begin our new passage for this morning. Notice in number two, we must maintain a spirit of joy in God. We must maintain a spirit of joy in God in your life and in your church. That's what you need to do if you're going to see that in your own life and in the life of our church. Let's read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Notice what it says there. It's right in the middle of that box. And I've underlined the verse that we're studying this morning. Verse 4 is what we're looking at. He says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus now these three verses or four verses that we've just read are some of the most cherished verses of this book of the Bible um, I remember as a kid growing up in this church and I remember these four verses were a very big deal um, in the 1970s 80s 90s in this church and I believe that that would be true of many spiritual Christians around the world that These are just verses that we need. Why? In part because, man, it deals with anxiety. I mean, doesn't everyone practically deal with anxiety at different points or another? At one time or another, you're dealing with the stresses of life and the anxiety that comes upon us. In fact, we, we see that at epic proportions here in our world. Um, right now, we, we, we see um, people of all ages dealing with trouble of anxiety. I, I am I'm constantly amazed at how we have more comforts. We have more uh, difficult things of life that are, that are, whether it has to do with food and getting food. And I mean, you, you don't have to go grow it yourself anymore. Um, one of the farmers I heard recently say, um, everybody thinks that food comes from the grocery store. It does not come from the grocery store. That's just a waypoint in you getting it. Um, but we don't have to go grow our food. We don't have to tend it. We, there's so little that we have to do. In fact, um, more and more, you just pop it in this box that doesn't even get hot. In about two minutes, you come out, and the food is hot. doesn't even heat up your house. Um, it's, it's rather amazing how... The basic things of life have become so much easier in so many ways. You can get in a car and go zooming across town or across the state, or maybe even get on a plane and zip across the nation to go somewhere. There are so many things that are so much easier, yet for all of that comfort and for all of that convenience, our stress levels seem to be higher than they've ever been, perhaps, in human history. There are more problems as a result of our mass communication and our mass comforts and our mass speed in which we can live life, that we feel the anxiety of a fallen world, a broken world in our lives. Well, we cry out for peace. And these verses tell us how we can have peace in the midst of a broken world. And that's part of the reason I think that these verses mean so much to us. How many of you all remember the chorus we used to sing? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Remember that? For those of you who know it, let's sing it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. You know that, I know, those of you young people go, oh that's nice, never heard that before. But for those of us that are older, that means a lot to us. Because we remember that term. We remember that. And um, it comes straight out of Scripture. Notice this in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. First thing I want you to notice in this is letter A. Notice that it is a command. It's not a suggestion. God is not suggesting to us to rejoice. The Apostle Paul is not suggesting to us. In fact, the Greek word that is here, karete, means it, the type of verb it is, it's in the present, it's an imperative, and it's an active tense. It is a, that's the tense of the verb, it is active right here. It is a verb that is saying right now, when? Right now, optional, no, it's imperative. And look at the last one, by who? It's by you. It is a command to us to rejoice. That is the structure of this command. You see, it is something that you choose to do. It's, it's something that you're given the command and you either choose to obey it or you do not obey it. It's not something that is done for you. Rejoicing cannot be done for you. It doesn't just come down upon you. There's some people that say, well, I can only rejoice when I feel like rejoicing. My friends, that is not what the scripture is indicating. You say, well, for me to rejoice when I don't feel like rejoicing, then that would be be ingenuine. That would not be genuine. Oh, friends, you don't understand what faith looks like when it comes to trusting in God and remembering what he says. Because it is by faith, as we're going to see, it is by faith that we rejoice in the midst of trouble. Notice this and fill this in. You see, we are called to actively walk with God. We are not passive bystanders. Um, The pastors um, and I have been kind of talking about this in recent days. It's as if this, it's as if God invites us to come and to dance through life with him. He invites us to come and move with his movement, to allow him to lead, and he calls us to follow with him. Now, I want you to imagine somebody that is there to dance with another, and that person just stands there rigid. And some of you would say, well, that's how I would be, and that's how I am too. I don't have a dancing bone in my body. I, I, I would be very, you know, what do you call it? Uh, lead feet, that kind of thing, whatever. Some of you, you, that's not the way you are. But the picture is, is that our walk with God is an interactive walk. And he calls us to trust in him. He calls us to obey him. He calls us to walk with him in these things. You see, this has everything to do, our choosing to rejoice in him. Listen, it has everything to do with what you think about God. Fill that in. It has everything to do with what you think about God. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, says this, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about God, when you, your your concept and your understanding of who God is, that is the most important thing about who you are as a person, because it will dictate your most important relationship that you can have, that as Governor Patrick says, will, will dictate your relationship to others. That when we are right with God, we can, come to a right relationship with others this is how god has designed us to be and while the world declares its independence and each man is his own you can do whatever you want and you really are not dependent upon anything but you the bible presents an extremely different perspective of our entire existence as an individual that we have been made for God's glory, that we have been made by God's glory, and that we have been made to walk in God's glory. And it's when we are coming and walking with him through Jesus Christ that we come to have the joy that he gives that is not dependent upon circumstances. Notice this next statement that is here underneath number two, letter A. It says, those who know the great truths about God find it easy to rejoice in him. Those who know the great truths about God find it easy to rejoice in him. The more they get to know him, the more that they understand who he is, it becomes easier to rejoice in him. But think about this. Those who know little about God find it difficult to rejoice in him. And I believe that that would clearly be played out by many of you in this this place right here today and perhaps many of you that are watching. Many of the people that I know and love in the life of this church have a growing knowledge of who God is. And that growing knowledge of who God is and the fact that he is great and powerful and glorious and he is wise and the fact that he is loving and he's gracious and, and the fact that he is, he is not just in the scene of what we, of what we are here, but he's so much beyond what we see. As we come to know his wisdom, as we come to know his might, as we come to know his sovereignty, it becomes easier to trust in him. But when I think about people in the outside world, when trouble comes into their life and when difficulties come, they, they say, what, do you, what in the world do you mean trusting God? God did this to me. Look, what, look at all this trouble. You say that God is great and powerful and he would allow this to occur. And you see, in just a, a very small knowledge of God that they have, causes them not to love him, trust him, and rejoice in him, but to curse him. And so this is the reason that it is wise for us to come and to know the God of this book, to know the God of this word. And as we allow this word to dictate what we know and understand about him, then we come to see his glory, and it's easier to rejoice in him. So, we need to notice that this is a command, and it is a command that is not a suggestion, um, but a glorious provision of God. Notice letter B on this in the bottom of page 1. Notice that this is also an emphatic command. And you say, what does emphatic mean? Emphatic simply means that it is a very strong command. It is a strong injunction that we are called to. Look at verse 4. Look what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. So he says it once, but look at the next thing. Again, I will say, rejoice. So this is is a great emphasis on the part of Paul. He is not beating around the bush here whatsoever. He is calling us to recognize this. Fill this in. It is both urgent and important that we learn to rejoice in God. You say, what's the difference in urgent and important? Important. Urgent is the thing that needs to be done right now. It's urgent. It's right here in front of us. Important sometimes um, is the thing that, it, it whether it happens right now or not, um, it, it has to happen. It, it, it must happen. You, you have to. If your house is on fire, it's urgent and important that you put it out, right? Um, there are many things that are important that though they they seem to be able to be let go for a while. That That is not the case with this. Rejoicing in God is something that needs to happen now, and it needs to happen always, and it needs to happen in the long term. Flip your page and notice with me some other things about this little tiny verse. Letter C is this. If we want to maintain a spirit of joy in God and in your life, notice letter C. Notice that God is the focus of our rejoicing, not our circumstances or ourselves. Notice what the verse says. Rejoice where? Rejoice in the Lord. That's an important point. You're not being told to just rejoice for the sake of rejoicing or to make something up out of thin air. What you're being told is to rejoice in God. And there is a gra- great, great difference. You see, it is not about positive thinking. Some people just think, oh, you just have to be optimistic. Something is going to happen good. It's going to, if, op- you know, good things happen to those who are optimistic and positive. That's not what this is about. This isn't merely about being, having an, a positive mindset. You see, this is ultimately about, fill it in, it is ultimately about worship and the human Existence was created to worship God. That's the reason that we have been made. So if we're going to maintain a spirit of joy in God, we have to remember that God is the focus, not our circumstances. Now I want to come to letter D here, and um, I want you to notice what it says there in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. And letter D is the one that really is, it's what I call the faith marker. Because there's sometimes when it seems easy to rejoice. How about when your, when your baby is born? Whether it's your first one, your second one, your third one, in the case of my brother-in-law, your eighth one. Um, what, what, about, what about when the baby is born and the baby is handed to that mom? And that mom holds that baby for the first time. And there's, there's just a joy it overcomes so much of the pain and the struggle that's been. Think about about when the new job has gotten and how much joy there is in that. Just recently, um, uh, some people in our community group bought a house. And the night that they signed the papers and closed on it, they called us up and they said, come on over, we're going to show you our house. And we ran over there to the house. And it was a beautiful uh, town home and, and just ready for them to move in and they're so excited about that and there's a lot of joy. You see, we, we would be tempted to think those are, the, those are the times when it's easy to rejoice, but what about at the other times? Let me just recognize here that this word always is where the faith really comes in in trusting and having the right perspective with God. Now, throughout the Bible, we see people rejoicing and trusting in God, when there was reason with the joy around them, the blessing around them to do so. And we see people rejoicing and trusting in God in their most dire of circumstances, in the most difficult hour. One of those is Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, we see this, look what David writes. He writes, I will bless the Lord, circle those words, At all times, his praise shall what? Do you need to circle another word? What word do you need to circle in the second line? Continually. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We see in Psalm, and and let me just encourage you to go read all of Psalm 34 this afternoon. Um, This is a, a, a tremendous psalm that talks about trusting in God when times are hard and difficult. What about Job? You remember the life of Job? Satan is out roaming the earth, and God calls Satan in and says, Have you considered my servant Job? I mean, God draws Satan's attention to Job. And Job, Satan says, yeah, the only reason Job loves you is because you've made him one of the wealthiest people on the earth. If you were to take away everything he has, he will curse you. And God in his wisdom and his providence, not only for Job's personal life, but listen, for all of those who would come behind him and read about him, his faith in God, like Abraham, like Moses, like David, like so many others, like Rahab, like Mary Magdalene, men and women of the scripture, we benefit from his walk with God. And we see that Satan is permitted to come and touch Job's life. And after the great calamity of Job losing all of his wealth and Job losing all of his children... The very next verses are found right here in chapter 1. Look what it says in Job chapter 1 and verse 20. After all of the calamity comes in, the messengers all destroyed, saying that everything has been destroyed. In verse 20 it says, Then Job arose, and he rent his mantle. That means he ripped his cloak. The the, the mantle that he wore, his coat that he wore that, that would cover him, he tore it. And he shaved his head, and he fell down upon the ground. You see, this is, this is utter agony. This is utter brokenness. He fell down upon the ground. And look what it says, and worshiped. And here's what he said. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you underline those last words? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now look at verse 22. In all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God with foolishness. Now those are words of great faith. Those are words that recognizes that God is not the problem. This is a broken world, and God is at work at turning what is part of the broken world into glory for himself. And the testing of our faith brings about a great glory to God and goodness for us. Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. As we consider rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, look at chapter, chapter 1 and verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, circle the word all. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word perfect is, the word mature is perhaps a, a better understanding of that it's not that you're going to come into sinless perfection where you never sin again, but the idea is is that you're becoming who God has designed you to be, and He does that through trials. God is at work in the trials of this life. Look at First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen. Um, Paul ends this letter to the Thessalonians with this issue of trusting God at all times. Look what it says in verse 16. Rejoice always. So very similar to our passage in Philippians 4. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks to God, underline it, in all circumstances. And then in case you wondered, look at the end of verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so our God calls us to look to him and trust in him in all circumstances all the time. That we can come to recognize that he is good all the time. And even when we don't know what his hand is doing, we can trust his heart. There's many times when we, when we see things going wrong around us and, and the call for us is to trust him. When I was in college, I was at Florida State University, Um, Gerald and I, go Knowles. that's great. Um, I was at Florida State, and I remember that I was seeking to walk with the Lord and honor the Lord in life. And uh, there was, you know, I was was trying to really be involved with my church, and I was trying to be involved with campus ministries at at Florida State. Um, We had our work cut out for us there, as you know. And um, I remember I had a little car, and I was, I was working hard to pay for my school and to pay for my car, uh, just keep it going and everything, keep keep my rent paid and everything else. And I remember driving along one day. I was going down Appalachian Parkway, and uh, money was really tight, and uh, grades were, you know, having to work at grades all the time, be involved with people's lives and everything, kind of busy. And I'm driving along and I noticed that all the lights on my dash started lighting up. And the meters on my, on all, the, all the, the speedometer and everything else just started freaking out. And I just remember I was driving along and thinking all I could see was dollar signs as my car was, was going through this. And I just remember by God's grace saying, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing with your car, but you're going to have to take care of this. And I, I, I just remember at that moment, he gave me the faith to say, okay, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the rest of this week and my little life as a college student, but God is going to get me through it, and I'm going to trust him. And um, you know, it turned out I had to replace a few components in the car, and everything was fine. But at the moment, when everything is going wrong, that is the moment for us to say, Lord, You are worthy of my trust. You are worthy of this problem. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do through this, but you've told me that you're going to work everything to my good and to your glory. And so, Lord, I trust in you. This is what it means to rejoice in the Lord always and to, again, rejoice in him. About 200 years ago, a poem surfaced. To this day, we don't know who wrote it. Um, and it's a poem that really delves into this issue of pain and difficulty in this life. Notice what it says, and uh, if you're watching online, you can see the lyrics of this poem that are here. Notice what it says. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man, to play the, mo- the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world might be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him and with many blows converts him into trial shapes of clay that only God understands, while his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out, God knows what he's about. God knows what he's about when when he's coming and working in your life and in your heart in ways that seem very painful and very hard. He knows what he's doing when things seem to be hopeless and gone and wrong. For those who know God and love God, you can rest in the fact that he is at work. So the question is this, I have two questions here at the bottom or a couple of statements actually that are here at the bottom. I want you to recognize if you cannot trust God in all things, it might indicate that you do not know him. It might indicate that. If you say, I can't trust God with this, I won't trust God with this. How am I to trust God with this? Now that's a different question, how? Because now you may be asking And you may find an answer. But if you find yourself not being able to trust God with the difficulties that are here, you just need to be aware it might indicate that you don't know him. Because why? His children come to learn to trust him. And that's part of the Christian journey. Notice the next thing that is here. Coming to know God begins by turning away from self and sin to trust in Him and trusting Christ alone. You say, well, how could I come to trust Him? Well, the way that you come to trust Him through the troubles of your life is by turning to Him and recognizing that Christ is the hope for your life, that He died on the cross for your sins and that He opens a door of right relationship with God. Notice the next statement that is here. If you truly come to know him, you can truly come to trust him in everything. If you truly come to know him, you can truly come to trust him in everything. We see that God is a trustworthy God. And this is why the Apostle Paul would say, Philippians who are being persecuted, Philippians who are in trouble, and he would write this from a jail cell, He would say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, I know that right now there's some who may be wondering if they can trust you with certain troubles and pains and struggles in their life. And Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace to do just that. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them about how to turn to you in faith. Lord, I pray that they would see that you have opened the door of faith through Jesus Christ. That because Christ would come and lay down his life, that they can have a right relationship and, and trust in you, not by their own strength, but by, Lord, you working in them. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to recognize this, that what you need most of all is faith. And you get faith by looking to God and learning of God and by asking of God for faith. So if you seem to lack the faith that you need to trust God with your issues and your problems this morning, I want to encourage you to do this thing. Ask God for faith. One of the followers of Jesus said to him, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Maybe that would be your prayer this morning. Maybe you would say, Lord, I believe in you. But this thing or these things that seem to be so much on my mind and heart, Lord, I need you. I need you to do a work in me. I need you to give me the faith to see this rightly and the faith so that I can rejoice even in this trouble. Would you ask God for that right now? Father, I thank you that this morning that we can pray to a God who hears us and pray to a God who loves us. Pray to a God who is sovereign and wise, who knows all things and has even promised that for those who love him, that he causes all things to work together for the good. So Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith and that we would rejoice always in the Lord in the times when it's easy and also in the times when it's hard that we may prove your goodness and prove that we enjoy, Lord, you above our circumstances and everything that's around us. In the glorious name of Christ we pray. Amen. Would you stand together and sing with us? The words are there in your outline.
0: I'm, I'm so kind, so dressed in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows speak,
1: Amen. That is the truth. We praise him in the good times and in the bad. He is indeed our hope. Well, it's been great to be with you today. We're glad that you've come and uh, just want to encourage you to continue to remain socially distant from one another. Y'all, if you come up and try to shake my hand, I'm just going to keep my hands behind my back because I'm trying to honor what we've said that we should do. So I'm I'm trying to do that. I know it's weird. I know we want to hug each other. We want to bump each other. We want to I don't know, uh, whatever. Um, but I just want to encourage you uh, let's, let's do what they've asked us to do. Um, that's a good thing for us to do. Um, and as we're visiting around, uh, it's good to wear a mask as we're about to go. So if you have one, um, in time, that'll all subside and we will be able to carry on as, as usual. Um, a couple of quick things before you go. Number one, um, family camp is scheduled for July 6, 7, and 8, and we'll be doing an outdoor family camp. A little bit different structure than usual. More details will be about that, but just save the date for Family Camp six, July 6, 7, and 8. It will be here on campus and we'll have a great time. Um, children's uh, at home summer program and Credit World starts this week, and you need to sign up for that. If you need the information about that, you can see Laura Carrera um, or some of the other children's workers, but they're gonna have fun on Zoom. And it begins, it's on Wednesday night, on Zoom. It's not here at the church. And it's great material from Answers, Answers in Genesis, VBS. Um, so that'll be a, a great time. Another important thing, all of you church Covenant Church members, I serve meeting last Sunday of this month, and we'll have it outside. Um, we're going to have a great time together. So I serve Covenant Members meeting. We do ask you to register for that. Um, and so you can register on the app or um, in person, so it's been wonderful to be with you. We celebrate 62 years of marriage for Jim and Bonnie Lide, 62 years, isn't that awesome? Um, Larry and Jackie Mullineau, um I believe 52 years of marriage, of uh, several others as we come, May and June, there's all these weddings from years ago, it's just a wonderful, beautiful thing that we see these who have been faithful in this way, so. Great to have you here this, this, this morning. Let's pray together as we go. Holy Father, we do pray that you would go with us out into this week. We pray that you would make us to be light in the midst of darkness. May we speak words of love and unity. May we emphasize the great love of Christ for the world. And may we show it with the way that we live, with our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, and our friends. Father, I pray that you would cause us to be strong in you and that you would be drawing people to yourself out of the darkness. I pray that you would heal our land and our society. Lord, help us to be agents of change that truly care for one another. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Don't shake one another's hands, but greet one another in love right now.